Hey folks, JR, back for another episode of Echoes of Shannon Street Case File. It's going to be episode 102, Tack Alert. This episode, probably one, maybe two more, we're going to deal with what happened at Shannon Street through the eyes of the TAC unit. It's going to be from their perspective. You always have to be careful when you're writing memos, especially on an event like Shannon Street, when you know the police department's going to get sued, and you know that everybody's going to be focusing on what the TAC unit did. The wrong word and the wrong sentence could come back to haunt you. Whether it was something that was actually bad or not. The following is a chronological occurrence of the Shannon Street incident occurring on Tuesday, January 11, 1983, 2239 Shannon Street, shortly after 9 p.m. This will be written from a TAC command view listing those persons involved, their duties, time of involvement, reason they were chosen for a specific duty, and will include, but not limited to, ordnance used and the weapons chosen for the assault. Lieutenant J.F. Pugh, 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. TAC commander, was notified on Tuesday, January 11, 1983, at 9.15 p.m. by the police dispatcher, a hostage barricade situation was in progress at 2239 Shannon Street involving a police officer and several male black perpetrators. The following are the TAC officers working the 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. shift and responded to the call. Patrolman V.R. Melton, J.A. York, Y.A. Ray, M.J. Bailey, W.D. Dawkins, and H.L. Bug. The police dispatcher furnished Lieutenant Pugh with additional information reporting a North Precinct patrol car responded to a call at 2239 Shannon Street. Upon arrival, a disturbance ensued in which Patrolman R.L. Swill was shot. Patrolman T.W. Turner was beaten, and Patrolman R.S. Hester was being held as a hostage inside the house. Also, the dispatcher advised that the best location for a command post would be at the corner of Boxwood and Shannon. Lieutenant Pugh advised all the TAC personnel to rendezvous at Boxwood and Shannon Streets. Patrolman T.L. Todd and W.D. Dawkins... TAC officers arrived with the equipment van at 9.20 p.m. and immediately set up telephone communications at the intersection of Boxwood and Shannon. Lieutenant Pugh met with Captain H.E. Randall, North Precinct Uniform Patrol Commander, 4 p.m. to 12 midnight shift. Captain Randall related to Lieutenant Pugh that a male black known as Lindbergh Sanders was currently in the house at 2239 Shannon and that Patrolman Hester was being held hostage 
and Sanders had at his disposal a police department radio making threats to the life of Patrolman Hester. TAC personnel were deployed by Lieutenant Pugh to strategic positions to establish an inner perimeter for immediate control. Patrolman Melton, armed with a .223 rifle, was assigned to a position directly north of the house on top of the Shannon Elementary School in order to cover the front of the cover the front of 2239 Shannon. Patrolman York, armed with a 223 Bolton scope rifle, was assigned to a house in the rear of 2239 Shannon, which is directly south of this location. TAC personnel who had currently been off-duty had heard of the situation and began to arrive at the command post. These persons were Patrolman K.K. McNair, Patrolman D.A. Rutherford, and Sergeant C.L. Huff. Sergeant Huff was instructed by Lieutenant Pugh to form an assault team for immediate response when needed. Sergeant Huff designated Patrolman McNair as the team leader with Patrolman Todd, Dawkins, Rutherford, and Ray as assault team members. Once the assault team was established, Sergeant Huff was instructed to evacuate those persons living in the area who would be in direct danger during the situation. Sergeant C.L. Huff was also instructed to locate a house near 2239 Shannon for a command post for the TAC unit. Lieutenant Pugh notified the dispatcher to have someone from the Board of Education meet us on the scene with the keys to Shannon Elementary School for the purpose of establishing a command post for the staff and to accommodate the news media, family, witnesses, etc. Captain J.D. Music, TAC commander, arrived Boxwood and Shannon at 9.40 p.m., Tuesday, January 11, 1983. Lieutenant Pugh briefed Cap Music about the situation and what action had been taken. Captain Music was at his residence at about 9.15 p.m. A news flash on television indicated a Memphis police officer had been taken hostage in the northern part of the city and was being held. Captain Music went to his cruiser retrieving a walkie-talkie and went to F1 frequency and heard radio transmissions from a voice that he identified as dispatcher Jim Weikert and an unknown male black later identified as Lindbergh Sanders. While dressing, Captain Music overheard essentially dialogue from Weikert trying to calm this male black and making inquiries as to the officer's welfare and was answered by the male black with obscenities and at times ranting, raving, incoherent speech. The dialogue continued during the entire time Captain Music was dressing and driving to the scene of this incident. Arriving as as previously stated, Approximately 9.40 p.m. where Captain Music met with Lieutenant Pugh. Now, I'm pretty sure Captain Music wrote this memo. 
He went into a lot of detail about listening to the radio and about dressing and coming to the scene. I'm not sure what that's all about. It, it may be just to establish he, he was personally aware of what was going on. As stated, Captain Music was briefed and it was learned that the primary negotiator, Walter Cruz, did not have the capability to try to establish contact with the male black by radio and therefore he was given Captain Music's radio. And Cruz, in fact, did keep this radio during the entire 32 hours of this incident. Cap Music must have really been upset with uh, Walter Cruz that he didn't have his handy talkie because this is the second or third reference, I think, in this case file where it's emphasized that Sergeant Cruz didn't have his handy talkie. After Captain Music was briefed by Lieutenant Pugh as to the deployment, the command post was checked to see if there was any additional equipment that might be needed before leaving to meet with the command post staff, which at that time included Director J.D. Holt, Deputy Director A.L. Williams, and Chief Inspector S.L. Cole. A brief meeting was held with these staff members and they were updated as to the TAC unit deployment, the contingency plans that were drawn, and the steps which would be taken in the event of further emergency. Captain Muses then returned to the TAC command post meeting with Lieutenant Pugh and was informed that arrangements had been made for a TAC command post to be established two doors east of the scene, 2247 Shannon. This location was checked by the TAC unit staff and found to be acceptable, and our base of operations continued from that point and remained there throughout the siege and will be described in a later paragraph as to the additional use of this house. Okay, folks, that's going to wrap up this episode. I thought I would try to keep these about 10 minutes or so. So I don't bore you. We'll get back together in a few days and we'll hit another part of this memo. This is a, a even though it's an overview, it, it would be a, a piece of material that attorneys for any of the complainants later who sue, they would be very interested in what the TAC unit says they did or what they were doing or what they were trying to do. Folks, I do appreciate you. And I'll see you down the road.